everyone, and welcome to the Conservative Woman's Guide. I'm your host, Karen Lips. Today, I'm joined by my special guest, Mary Kate Carey, for an episode on the Conservative Woman's Guide to Finding a Conservative Professor Mentor. We'll be talking about what exactly a mentor is, how to find one, and why you should have one. Welcome, Mary Kate. Thanks for having me, Karen. It's a joy to be here. I'm excited to talk with you today and sort of demystify uh, what it, you know who these professors are on college campuses for many of our listeners. So, can you begin by telling us a little bit about your background and why you wanted to teach on campus? Sure. I uh, I went to UVA where we're broadcasting from this Wahoo morning walk. and. <laughs> Wahuaca, who's and uh, and the I was in mostly this was back you know when dinosaurs were roaming the earth and there were um, only a lot of really big lecture classes there weren't smaller classes like they have more of these days and uh, the one little small class I took was uh, news writing 101 which I thought would be kind of fun uh, I liked it because there was no homework and no textbook. Uh, so that that appealed to me tremendously, and it turned out to be one of the funnest classes I ever took. Uh, the the professor was Mr. Bill Fishback, and Mr. Fishback would pretend to be a different character every week. Sometimes he was the fire chief, sometimes he was the press secretary for the governor, whatever, and he would just make stuff up. We would take notes. Uh, he'd have a press conference, and uh, and then we had half an hour to turn it into a news story. And by the end of the semester, I could write quickly, accurately, and on a deadline. And Mr. Fishback was one of the few professors I got to know. And he really started looking out for me uh, for many years, uh, well after I graduated. Uh, But that was the beginning of me realizing that I had a gift for writing. I went from there to being a columnist at the school newspaper, which I highly recommend to our listeners, uh, because, again, you're writing uh, persuasive writing on a deadline, and future employers can see if you're a good writer or not, but they can also see that you know how to meet a deadline, because a lot of good writers cannot meet a deadline. People will pay money for that. <laughs> so uh, so uh, that set me down the road to uh, eventually three jobs out of college. I became a speechwriter for President George H.W. Bush in the White House. I was 24, and uh, I had had a series of jobs after college that uh, were uh, adding to my job skills in, in terms of writing. And uh, best job I ever had, a speechwriter for the president, so much fun. And then that started me on a long career of freelance writing uh, while I raised the kids. And then now uh, UVA found me and said, wouldn't you like to teach political speechwriting to undergrads? And so I'm back in front of 20 kids, small class, just like Mr. Fishback. And uh, it's absolutely a joy in my life. And as a result, I mentor a lot of those students, which is why I think you wanted to talk to me about it. Well, it is because I think sometimes, you know, professors can seem pretty intimidating. And I think it's great for students to remember that you choose to spend your time teaching, right? Like if you wanted to be writing right. where you could, if you want to be up in D, you know, DC working in political writing, you could, but you've made that choice. And so you actually want to spend time with students and, and get joy out of mentoring. Is that fair? Totally. It gets me out of bed in the morning. It's so, uh, so much more fulfilling than I ever dreamed it would be. I wish I'd done it sooner. And uh, the things that, that happen with me is I've, I've gotten pulled into being a faculty advisor for, say, the student newspaper and uh, for new and for you know, some of the other student groups on grounds. And so some of the students who come to me uh, to be a mentor are kids in my speechwriting class because they think, 
I think they think I can get them jobs after, after they graduate, which I can't always do, but um, I can certainly point them in the right direction. Uh, or write letters of rec- some, recommendation, right? Yeah, I, I write a mm-hmm. lot of letters of recommendation. A lot of people who want to know political speech writing uh, are headed to law school because they would like to be in front of a jury and they want to convince a jury uh, of the right thing to do. So, uh, so there's a lot of law school recs I do. And then, um, but I also think there's a lot of students who come to me because of the extracurriculars and they know that, uh, you know, I'm a conservative. They know, uh, that I'm, uh, connected with a lot of conservative women and they think that's, um, you know, value added. That's different than some of the other professors. I feel like you can add a lot of value to their college experience. Um, but I think a lot of students, uh, struggle a little bit to find a professor mentor. We recently ran an Instagram poll with our followers. Only half of them said that they had a mentor while they were in school. And the biggest reason as to why was because they didn't know how to go about finding that mentor. So Mary-Kate, you mentioned sometimes find the students find you through extracurriculars. How else do students kind of build those relationships and transition from being a student in the classroom to somebody that you've got a deeper relationship with? So most colleges, you have an advisor and most colleges, I believe you're assigned the advisor randomly by the college. Uh, that may change. I, I actually don't know how it goes here because I'm only an adjunct professor, so I, I don't advise students. Uh, only tenured professors do that. So, um, so, so some colleges may allow you to, to ask for certain people to be your mentors. I have certainly heard of students who are, say, a computer science major, and they've got an English lit teacher as their advisor. And the advisors are the ones who sign off on whether you have enough credits to graduate and they advise you on what your major might want to be, things like that. It sure seems to me that you'd want an advisor in the field that you're interested in because that person could help uh, really direct you to the best professors, the most interesting classes, internships, jobs, things like that. Uh, so if, if you're in that situation and you can ask, can I have an advisor in my in my major, I would totally suggest doing that. If your school has a rule that you cannot, you get what you get and you don't get upset, then um, you could informally go to somebody who's in your field and say, hey, I know you're not my advisor, but can I come to your office hours? And uh, could you give me your take on the classes I'm taking? And, you know, get advice from that person. The, the most professors have office hours. My office hours are a mix of people coming in who want to talk about the latest assignment or whatever, uh, and another whole crowd that just comes in to hang out. And, um, and that's actually very entertaining. And if somebody needs something, they'll, they'll go stand in the hall for a bit if somebody has a serious question about an assignment or something. But there's a, there's, there is a fair amount of hanging out. The thing that makes me sad is there's a lot of professors. I would say right now the majority of professors, at least at this school, um, have their office hours by Zoom still. And I am amazed at that. I do not do that. It is hard to build a relationship over Zoom. Exactly. So, so if that's your case where the professors that you want to meet at your school are doing it still by Zoom, um, it's okay to say, can I meet you for coffee? 
And if you're worried about the cost of treating the professor for coffee, hopefully the professor will treat you, but if you ask, you have to be uh, prepared to pay. Um, there are funds at a lot of schools for faculty-student interaction, and they'll reimburse you for the cost of the burger or the coffee or whatever you're doing. So it's worth doing a little investigating with the, uh, usually it's like a dean of students office, places like that would know if there's a fund for things like that. But don't be afraid to ask them to step out of their Zoom office hours to meet with you because it's uh, it's, it's worth it. Well, and it seems like a good strategy might be to even ask them to meet like right after class or something when they're already, yeah, yeah. you know, on campus out and, about, and yeah. out. Um, right. But Mary Kate, right. I really appreciate how at the beginning of uh, what you were saying there, you mentioned that students sometimes just ask if they can come to your office hours. They don't necessarily just ask if, you know, up front, if you can be their mentor because uh, it doesn't no, have to yeah. be that formal, right? I imagine some of right. many of these relationships are pretty informal, but you get to know them, and then uh, somebody sends you an opportunity. Like I know at New, we'll send out our essay contest to different professors, and then some of the professors just take a minute and think, "Oh, who might be interested in this?" and then pass it on. And who knows, students right. can win scholarships because of that. Yeah, I can't remember a single time where a student said to me, "Will you be my mentor?" Or one where I said, may I please be your mentor? <laughs> so um, usually it's just a, a friendship, you know, and um, it doesn't have to be formal. You don't have to ask. Uh, and and if once they get to know you, then later on, it's much easier to say, could you please write me a recommendation for law school? You know, would you be interested in doing something like that? Or, or sometimes they'll bring me their essays for law school and uh, we'll talk them over. And then I'll say, so who's, who's writing your recommendations? And they'll say, well, I was just about to ask you, you know, and um, so it usually just sort of evolves into a relationship like that. And uh, it's been it's been a joy because if once you get to know a student, you start rooting for them. Yes. And and you really want them to succeed. Um, and, and one of my friends at DC said one time that once somebody recommends you for a job or an internship or law school or whatever it is, uh, they're sort of invested in you emotionally. And they want to be able to say, oh yeah, the last guy I recommended for law school, you know, was top of his class. Or uh, the last woman I advised became president of the United States, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, and that is a point of pride to them. So they're always going to be rooting for you because they already vouched for you uh, in some way. And so that's somebody you can always count on to be in your corner for a long time. So it's, uh, it's, it's not in a position. It's a joy most of the time to most professors to get to know the students and try and help them. It's uh, so don't, don't be shy to ask because that's why they're there. They want to help. Well, I've had the pleasure of writing a few letters of recommendation for law school and I I'm with you on that. It's like, I really want them to get in, you know, you're invested in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you're, you don't want them to go down in flames. Right. <laughs> you want them to do yes. well. Um, American, one thing I wanted to ask you, because many of our listeners are women, um, and I had a fair number of, I would consider male professor mentors when I was at school. Uh, do you recommend um, that students, especially female students, particularly try to find a female mentor? Or do you think that matters? I, w I would say uh, all of the above. I think you want as many people in your corner from all different walks of life as you possibly can. And so I wouldn't limit myself to only 50% of the population. I would say uh, have have some women, have some men, have old people, young people. Uh, I've got one friend who's significantly younger than I am, and I consider her a mentor. She gives me so much good advice uh, that it's it's kind of an interesting 
uh, relationship because she's younger. And yet uh, I often go to her and say, what do you think I should do about this? Or what about that? You know? And um, so, so I would say, don't limit yourself just to female mentors. Uh, a lot of times the men bring you a totally different perspective and half the workforce is men. So they can give you good advice on how to deal with your boss or uh, a male professor or whatever. Um, so I, I would say yes. All of the and if you if you hear about a professor who you think could be a great mentor to you, but you didn't get in their class or you're not taking their class this semester, um, do you recommend a student still just tries to go to office hours or set a meeting or wait till they're in this professor's class? Oh, no, I would say if they're on your radar, even if you didn't get in their class, I've had students come to my office hours and say, hey, professor, I didn't get in your class. Uh, hopefully I will next semester, but uh, I wanted to come meet you right now. And then I'm 10 times more likely to let them in next semester because I know them now. And um, so, yeah, absolutely. Don't be discouraged by the lottery of who gets into what classes because it's out of your control. Uh, what's in your control is to go to that professor and, and start a start a friendship and start asking their advice about things, ask their opinions on, I get a lot of that. People just want to hear a conservative professor's uh, perspective. And so a lot of the students who come to my office hours are not, they're liberals, but they've never heard both sides. And so they'll just come and say, hey, you know, what's the, what's the conservative take on climate change? And I'll say, oh, yeah, I'd be happy to tell you. And um, and it's great fun. And we have these fascinating conversations because then we can start going back and forth. So you're a jack of all trades on, on, on any policy it's topic. Pretty huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Office hours are You never know what you're going to get, do you? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Well, we encourage our students to, you know, find that conservative professor mentor because I think they can help you find um, some opportunities and internships, but also find liberal uh, professor mentors. So that's great that you mentioned you've got some yeah. liberal students who come to you. Do you feel like you mentor liberal students as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's one who's actually never been in any of my classes and he's now graduated and he still calls me because he's got book ideas and he wants to bounce that off me. And if I if I put this in the book proposal, you know, is that going to turn away conservative readers? You know, and, and I'm, I'm sort of his focus group and, um, and we have a great time. Dave. <laughs> Give him a shout out on the podcast. That's great. There's, there's Dave. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mary Kay, I know you worked for President George H.W. Bush. And I would love if you could share a little bit of wisdom of what you learned from working for him that uh, might be helpful for students. Yeah, he he had an amazing career where every job that he had, he, he was probably, David McCullough said he was the most qualified person to be president of the United States outside of the founders because of the series of jobs that he had. Um, and each job, he went from uh, the House he uh, ran for Senate, never got it. Uh, he was chair of the Republican Party. He was uh, CIA, director of the CIA. He was ambassador to UN. He was uh, vice president of the United States, and then obviously president. And each job that he had, he not only expanded his job skills, uh, but he expanded the web of people that he kept in touch with. So by the time he got to president, his Christmas card list was massive. <laughs> like everywhere he would go, somebody would say, oh, uh, Mr. Bush, how are you? You know, and he, and he just, it wasn't all about the, the important and powerful people. It was uh, the cooks and the doorman and the all the ushers and all these people who came through his life uh, at all different levels. He had this knack for remembering names and faces. Um, and so by the time he got to be president, one of his sort of uh, management 
techniques was he never called another world leader cold the first time he needed something. Most of them he already knew because of the UN and CIA and things like that. But if it was a new world leader, he would call and just introduce himself and say hi and how's your day. They used to tease him that he was always asking people, how's the weather there in in uh, Myanmar? You know, <laughs> and they would talk about the weather, you know, just to get it going. Then maybe the next time he called the guy, he could say, hey, by the way, you know, could you do this? Could you vote this way at the UN? Could you do this, do that? And it wasn't that he was asking for favors the first time he met somebody. He was really building that and relationship. So, Yes, yes. And I would agree with that. Like, if somebody walks in cold to my office and says, could you write me a law school rec, and I don't know who they are, that's that's putting me in a really tough position. Uh, I'd rather know somebody first, and then if they start asking, then I'm fine with it. Um, the second thing he did, I mentioned the Christmas card list. He was uh, world famous for handwritten notes that he sent to people. And that made a huge impression on me. The number of people, including me, who kept every note he ever wrote, uh, it came out at his funeral. Everybody thought they were the only person he wrote handwritten notes to. There were, um, uh, he set, set aside every day time to write handwritten notes to people. And it would, it would be, you know, even just one sentence. Uh, and it would say stuff like, um, uh, see here, Mary Kate, I don't think self-deprecating golf jokes are funny. George Bush. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would send him jokes, you know, and uh, and he was being self-deprecating by saying, I don't like self-deprecating yeah. <laughs> golf jokes, you know. But anyway, he, um, so, so I have learned from him that uh, even in this day and age, so many young people just want to send a text or send an email thank you for dinner or whatever it is. If you take the time to write the handwritten note and put a stamp on it, people think it is unbelievable when it comes in the mail. They remember it. Many of them keep it. If they think you're going places like George Bush was, they definitely keep it. Um, it is a, a great way to build uh, people's uh, recall of you and a relationship with them because it, it says they're different than all the other people that you just email. And uh, I spent last night two hours writing probably 40 handwritten thank you notes wow. uh, to a variety <laughs> of people. And, and, and they don't have to be each one different. Uh, obviously they say, dear, you know, Joe and Susan or something, but um, a lot of them were very similar to each other, but they're not going to compare their thank you notes to each other. So don't feel like it's a huge commitment of time and, and the payoff is huge. People remember thank you notes. So, um, so that would, those were the two things I learned from him. He was, uh, he was really good at building that, that network of people who were rooting for him all over the country. Well, and that's a great point to end on that, uh, he invested not only at the beginning of the relationship, right. By talking mm -hmm. with world leaders before he needed to ask for something, but then also, uh, what could be the end, right. Writing the thank you notes and really right. following up and continuing that relationship. It wasn't just right. that asking for favors over and over again. And I think that mm -mm. extends to the, to the, um, student professor relationship, as you mentioned, is you want to build that relationship um, and have those discussions, not always be just going in to ask for a letter or a recommendation or an introduction. Right, right. It can just be as simple as a note that says, great job. Uh, that's it. That's all you need. You know, it's, uh, it's a great way to continue 
uh, nurturing what should be like with Mr. Fishback and I, uh, a lifelong relationship. I got to see him uh, right before he passed away and thank him for everything he did for me. And uh, I still miss Aww. him. But uh, it's uh, it, it, that was somebody who had a huge effect on my life and it was right at a crucial moment. And it's um, it, it, it led to all kinds of career uh, uh, crossroads for me, learning what I did from him. So uh, so a mentor is a huge thing and I highly recommend, we didn't do it in, back in my day as much as students do now. Uh, but I'm hoping it goes from 50% to hundred uh, percent of your next poll that everybody goes out and gets a mentor. And well, maybe uh, we'll run a poll after this fun. episode. So hopefully people have there you go. <laughs> some <laughs> tips and now they can go out and, and yep. start getting to know those professors better. Mary-Kate, I want to thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I hope our listeners were taking notes because you shared so many great tips. Make sure to join us next week for the Conservative Woman's Guide to your first internship or job. Subscribe to the Conservative Woman's Guide wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And if you are enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review and let us know how we're doing. Or if you have ideas for show topics, email us at media at enlightenedwomen.org. See you next time.